play action for Kirk from under center. Straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen. Caught at the five. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. Kirk takes the snap. Looks right. Fade left. End zone. And it is caught. Touchdown. Hello, hello. Let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie. And thank you for spending some time with us today. We're here in April, NFL draft season. We got together in early March to preview Vikings free agency. So now we're going to do the same for the NFL draft coming to us on April 23rd. Now the Daily Norseman podcasts have done plenty of free agency review, but we haven't heard from our good friend, Matt Anderson. Matt we're diving into offensive line draft previews today. Before we get into the prospects, can you just give us some quick thoughts on the Vikings starting offensive line right now? We know the offense offseason isn't complete. We're less than halfway through, actually. But when you look at the five starters, what do you see? Well, I see pretty much exactly what we had last year um, in terms of uh, offensive line minus Josh Klein. Um, and I haven't heard whether or not they're thinking about bringing him back or not. But, you know, there is something to be said about continuity, carrying over the same set of players each year. But it, it's a little bit concerning when you look across the line because we knew that was a glaring issue. It's been a glaring issue for years now. Um, and yet here we are kind of not really addressing it in free agency. So we kind of have to turn to the draft and hopefully we can nail maybe one or two um, offensive linemen. I think the biggest one, obviously, is guard. I know we've talked about it recently on podcasts here where, um, you know, Riley Reef is a serviceable left tackle, and I don't think they need to get rid of him unless they have another option, whether that's a Trent Williams trade and, or whether that's, you know, drafting a, a good tackle in the draft. But it's that interior offensive line where I think we need the most help. I'm not convinced Bradbury is a good enough center. Hopefully an off season can, can kind of help him develop a little bit more. But those two guard spots, uh, we, we definitely need to address those. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what you guys kind of have in store so I can kind of learn about these guys uh, heading into the draft here. Definitely, Matt. We have a lot of holes on this team to fill, as you know, but I think offensive line is a great starting point when talking about the draft, and we can hit some of the other more luxury positions later on. But right now, just focusing on offensive line, what we're going to do for y'all is we're going to break down three prospects in detail. Miles has a prospect he's going to share. Ryan has a prospect that he's excited about. And I've got one, too. So we're just going to go around, state three names. So when the draft comes, you know about these guys, how they compare to each other just as well as we do. So, Miles, could you start us off? Could you just tell us which draft prospect that you want the Vikings to seek in the, in the NFL draft? And just give us his measurables. Tell us a little bit about where he played, how big he is, stuff like that. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go with someone that's not as high profile, I guess. Um, I'm going to go with Lucas Nyang. I hope I said his name right. Nyang. <laughs> He's the offensive tackle at uh, TCU. He played left tackle. 
Um, I think there was a little bit of times he played right tackle as well. Um, he's big. He's 6'6", 315 pounds. Um, that's what he weighed in at the combine, and he uh, had 34 and a quarter inch arms, so really long arms uh, for a guy his size. Really massive, big guy that can that can also move. So he's the kind of guy since he's he's still kind of on the lighter side at 315 can move well, and I think the Vikings would do well to to go after a guy like him on day two. Great, Ryan. Which prospect are you bringing to the table? Uh, I'm gonna bring Prince Tega Wanagu. And again, I'm not sure if I'm saying that last name right. Uh, he also is a left tackle prospect, uh, a big guy. Uh, when, when you look at what he provides uh, from a size standpoint, he's, gonna, he's 6'5", 308, can move really well, uh, very athletic, actually uh, was uh, moved to the country to play basketball, late adopter of football. So he's somebody that is still learning the game, but he did really, really well in a very tough conference SEC. Um, again, he, he's a redshirt senior, so he's 23 years old. So he's, he's a little older on the, uh, uh, on the prospect side. And, and he's anticipated to end up somewhere in that mid-second to third round. So we probably have to take a look at our second round pick or maybe potentially trading up a little into the third round to land him. Great. So we've got Lucas Nyang, we've got Prince Tega Wanago, and I'm going to put on the table Houston tackle Josh Jones. Jones is redshirt senior offensive tackle, 6'5", 311 pounds, very athletic frame, good feet. And so I think he's somebody who can fit in quickly a plug and play starter offensive tackle and then do something with Riley Reed. Uh, Ryan, you talked about when you see Prince Tega going in, in the late first round, early second round, kind of a, a day two pick. I think Josh Jones is an absolute first round draft pick. Hopefully he falls to at least 22 where the Vikings have their first selection. But I'll be honest, I've got some big time fears he won't be there. He's probably the fourth or fifth best tackle in the draft right now. Miles, where do you see Nyang going? For me, I think he's probably in the, like the I'd say top seventy-five-ish range. Um, so, and like I think the Vikings would be able to get him um, somewhere in there, in the, with a within the second round, is somewhere I think he goes the back end of the second round uh, for me. So, like if the Vikings wanted to, they could take a, probably take a stab at him at fifty-eight, be a little bit of a reach. Um, what I could see them doing is either trading back from fifty-eight. Or even moving up from one of the from uh, eighty nine their uh, their third round pick to address to go after Nying. So Nying. So that could be one of those situations we see. But I think he falls right in that like middle ground of like the second to third round range, back into the second early third round. Okay, and with that being a, a later day two pick, how do you see him fitting in to the Vikings offense? What position do you see him starting at? And or if he starts, where do you see him and how long do you think it's going to take him to develop? So the one the, probably the single biggest issue he has going for him right now is that he, uh, he had a hip injury in 2019 that, that ended his uh, um, his season early. It sounds like from everything I've been able to see, he should be good to go heading into the 2020 season. But for me, I think what the Vikings could essentially do with that because he might not be quite 100% ready, and there is a little bit of technique issues that, that he needs to work on. Um, there are obviously, obviously some refinements. Most of these prospects aren't, they're not gonna be all pro players heading into their rookie season. So, you know, nobody's perfect. But I think what the Vikings could look to do, there's two, two options I think they, should, they could go with, with uh, if they were to draft 
Nyang, and he was their, their first offensive lineman to be taken in the draft. And you can talk about Josh Jones, which he would obviously be a higher pick, so that could change what their view is for Nyang. Nyang. But what they could do is they could slide Riley Reef into left guard, and Nyang can start at left tackle. Um, but we know that left tackle is a little bit of a harder position to play at the, at the next level. And especially as a rookie, um, we saw Brian O'Neill struggle. We obviously know he played well, but there were a lot of struggles that he had to overcome as, as a rookie. Niang, on the other hand, what you could do, because he is a bigger guy, um, he does have mobility, and he's kind of, a ro- kind of a road grader with his power in the run game. He could be a guy you slide into left guard, keep, keep brief at left tackle for a year, and then as you're looking into getting into the 2021 season, um, you could slide Niang back out to left tackle, get rid of Reef and figure out left guard because left guard's a little bit of an easier position to replace than left tackle because then you're at the same time you're letting Yang develop on the field, on the fly, which it lets him get up to speed on the um, the, the game, um, lets him kind of understand the offense, lets him kind of incorporate his skills. Even if it is that guard, he's playing on the same side. So some of those techniques and footwork, we've seen some uh, some rookies st- step in at, at guard and then slide out to tackle just because of the situations they have on their roster and it helps them develop a little bit more um, without putting all that pressure on them to play the, uh, the bookend tackle position so for me that that probably be the ideal situation is slide him at left guard to start while Riley Reef stays at left tackle just because I'm not sure Nian can come in and be better than Reef at left tackle but he could come in and be a good left guard so you could you're filling you're filling two uh, you're filling that left guard spot while also having a plan for left tackle for the future so That'd be a move that I would I'd, I would love to see the Vikings consider. And, and uh, going into that, Miles, I, I really do actually like that plan. One of the big concerns I had and why I actually didn't choose Niang uh, is that he is mainly, I think, for the last two or three years, played right tackle for the TCU. So yeah, I think I missed yeah. That. So I for him to that. to suddenly switch to left tackle as a rookie, uh, I, I had concerns about. Uh, but but putting him into a less vulnerable position at left guard would really help him understand, like you were saying, the footwork and the nuances of being on the left side. So when we do act, end up switching him to left tackle, um, that would ease that transition quite a bit, and, and we get to keep Definitely. our you know at, at least Pro Bowl caliber. I, I know he hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet. Um, right tackle and O'Neal over on the right side, and, and Niang, you know, going into him too a bit. He coming off that injury, he did have to miss the NFL Combine, which with the, all this coronavirus stuff happening, that really hurt him uh, because now people don't get to see if that hip's okay. So I could see him even slipping into into the third round, which I think had he been able to work out and show people he's healthy, I think he is a potential late first early second rounder, but without people actually getting to see that in person, um, his health in person, I can't imagine him going even really in uh, maybe late second, but uh, likely I think he's a third rounder just due to that alone. That's a, that's a good point. And, and like you had mentioned, Ryan, I don't, I don't agree with it. Just kind of like what you had said, the Vikings could potentially look at moving Brian O'Neill to left tackle and in Yang at, at, and keeping Yang at right tackle because it's more of a comfortable position for him. But again, not a move I think they should do. Um, but it, but when you're when you're exploring all opportunities and options, that's one that you have to at least look at and consider. Not that you need to do it, just something you need to at least talk about. I just just don't know how we get comfortable with a guy coming off a hip injury, injury with no pro day, no medical examination. I mean, why would you take that type of risk for a need that's so big? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it also all depends on how you how you want to play out the first round. I mean, you have or this and even the second round, you have multiple picks in the first 100, 110. So there's there's a lot of scenarios where you could even double dip at offensive line if that was something you saw as the best option. So I think Nyang might be one of those guys if you if you consider him a day one starter, which I think he can be a day one starter, especially at like what Ryan and I were saying is at guard, it takes less pressure on him. Um, to play a position that doesn't ha- require as much, um, and as and you trust your your team doctors are they're sending medical reports to to teams, so teams at least have an idea of what what these guys' injuries situations look like. Um, like you said, though, flip, I do agree that it's going to be harder for these guys because they don't get to meet with teams directly. They don't get to get worked out and have physicals with those teams, so their team doctors don't get to you know poke and pry at them. But at the same time, I think. If you've talked to doctors and worked with doctors that Yang has worked with, at least you can have a better understanding of what that hip injury and the extent of that injury is going to look like. So I do agree that it might it might be a cautious tale to to rely on, but I think his ability is good enough to take um, the chance on, especially on day two. Matt, how do you feel about possibly shuffling some of the offensive linemen currently on the roster to accommodate a rookie? You know, I've always gone kind of back and forth on switching Brian O'Neill if that if that ever came to fruition. I know he's he's solidified himself on the right side of the line, so I'd prefer not to mess with it. Though I do feel like if push came to shove, he could switch over to left tackle. Riley Reef at guard is fine, I suppose, if 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 we need to go there as well. But I think I would probably go with the the scenario that Ryan and Miles had, which is you know. If, if we're talking about that that rookie Yang, you know, put him in at at guard instead, just kind of get him familiar with that left side. I, I, I remember a, a while back hearing an offensive lineman talk about switching from the le- the right to the left side, and he basically said, imagine your whole life you're writing right-handed, and then you have to switch to writing left-handed. I don't think maybe it's that extreme. You know, there is going to be some some a bit of a learning curve to switching to that left side, but whatever puts the best unit out there, however you have to interchange those linemen, I'm fine with it as long as it's the best unit that we can put out there. Well, and if you take a look at worrying about switching a right tackle to a left tackle, whether that's O'Neill or Niang, or you could you know take take the opportunity to go and take a like a Prince Tega Wanago. And he's been he's been on the left side. He, he's he's established there. That that's his position. So for him to be able to come to our team at a very similar cost from a draft capital standpoint, you would really get a a better situation for him. I think he actually fits this offense just a tad bit better. Um, he is a little lighter on his feet than Niang is. Uh, and, and he's he's done really really well in the SEC, playing against some really really great defenders who we see on Sundays every day. Again, he the, where his issues are. So every every prospect's got some issues. Uh, is he's just new. He he's still learning the nuances of how to play left tackle and how just how to play NFL or football in general, I should say. And so for him to come in with a good solid established offensive line coach in Rick Dennison. He'd be able to learn the new, or you know, be able to learn the nuances from him well, and have a, a guy like Riley Reef there to mentor him, hopefully, um, if, if he chooses to do so, and really develop a talent that's pretty raw 
but all of the tools are there. I mean, I, the, the thing that I keep hearing about him is he's a very toolsy prospect. So that doesn't always translate to being a great NFL player. We've seen that with many players in the NFL. But when you have the tools, those are things that you can't really learn. Uh, so he's uh, he's at least ahead of the game in that aspect. Um, again, some footwork and the ability to with his um, punches and his hands placement, I, I've noticed are, are lacking uh, and he needs to get better at that. Uh, but he's a pretty strong run defender. I really think if he can just gain some better NFL strength and refine some of that, the footwork and the um, in pass protection, he's going to be a pretty strong left tackle of the future for us going forward. And he's not going to cost a first round pick like a Josh Jones, which again, I like Josh Jones much better than Prince, but from a draft capital standpoint, we really need corners on this team. It's all about the value. Yeah, yeah, it's all about value, all about exactly. Value, right? So we, we need corners on this team. We need receivers on this team, defense, you know, defense alignment on this team. And where some of those positions are either very top-heavy, like cornerback, uh, as, I'm sorry, outside cornerback, or um, like defensive tackle or even defensive end, where we can get good value at left tackle or right tackle, whichever, you know, offensive line in general um, later in the draft with the Niangs, Wanagos, um, Ben Barches of the world. So th th I guess that's my take. I, I really like your take flip in terms of Josh Jones. I think he's ultimately the best prospect of the three that we've talked about. However, he is going to cost a first round pick if he even gets to us. And but because of value, we'll just go with Yang and we can call it. Right. Day, I, I mean, guess. yeah. Or Wanago, so you don't have to teach him how to play on the look, outside. But yeah. So, look, how about we get the guy whose name we know how to pronounce? <laughs> I, I understand the need for good value, but I'm looking for good players. And you talk about Niang needing to develop, possibly needing to move him into guard. You don't have to do that with Josh Jones. You talk about Prince Tega and his lack of experience. You don't have to worry about that with Josh Jones. Jones has got four years of starting experience at left tackle, 45 starts. And you got, you know, I'm done with Riley Reef. This is my dream. This is the Vikings opportunity to draft bookend tackles. We've got two first round picks, draft one of them, spend one pick on a bookend tackle, pair Josh Jones with Brian O'Neill. Kick Reef off the team. I mean, kick Reef inside to guard, and let's roll. <laughs> That's been your goal the whole time. Is how, how whatever you can do to get rid of Riley Reef, right? To, to get him inside to guard. Just it, Kirk needs this protection, and this is how we give it. Well, to him. you know, Flip, you make a good point in terms of that, but uh, in terms of starting experience and 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 uh, abilities and whatnot. But Prince Tega started, I think, thirty nine games for Auburn in the sec so he's going against higher competition than josh jones again josh jones has again all the tools and he's even i think a little bit longer but he still is going to need uh, he he's got a lot of work to clean up in terms of pass protection and his footwork um he he's he's he was thought of actually as a later prospect but and then a later round prospect but and then he shot up draft boards when he dominated at the i think it was a senior bowl and yes, sir. so, and which is great. And again, I, I, I am a big fan, but to, to, to say that like Prince Tega doesn't have the, the experience. I mean, he has 39 games under his belt in the sec. And, you know, as I think he was a second team, um, all sec, uh, nominate, or he, he was nominated for second team, all sec. 
So he, he's a very good player. He's just he's just new to the game. He's only been playing for I think six years of his, in his life. Versus Josh Jones, had, I mean, who knows what the I guess the ceiling is for either prospect because Josh Jones, although he's great, he has been playing much longer than Prince Tega, and they they're probably very comparable in terms of prospects. I do have a question for y'all. Of the three prospects that you have all mentioned, are they all scheme fits for us or? Yeah, I don't know what what kind of schemes they played in in college. So they're all large, athletic, relatively strong um, yep. left tackle or uh, just tackle prospects. offensive tackle prospects. So yes, they they can all move pretty well. I, I would say Niang is probably the he's very mobile, but he's very big. So uh, he's probably less mobile than the other two, but he can he can still get moving and he can still get out in space and, and run his own scheme if needed. Where I think Josh Jones and, and Prince Tega are both very much uh, a, like a pure scheme fit. Like as in, I don't know if they would fit right. really well yeah. in a power ahead, Yeah, but I, I mean, I agree. Yang also played in a, an offense that passes the ball a lot, runs a lot of screens. So um, although he is a little bit bigger, the 315 might be a little generous. He's probably a little bit heavier than that, especially at 6'6", uh, and then when you when you look at him too. But but at the same time, like I said, he run like kind of like Drew Samir for the Vikings last year. He didn't test all that athletically, but he came from a scheme that that does that does have a lot of that zone scheme, a lot of out in movement, um, out in space type of offense. And uh, Nyang came from that with with TCU as well. So um, there is that. Um, ability and knowledge of that style of offense um not to the same degree but he's a, he came from a spread offense that works quickly um runs high t- fast tempo runs a lot of screens asks him to go out, out and work in space a lot so he might not be the ideal fit but i think he he can work within this scheme and um and not have a problem at tackle or guard i think he can make that adjustment all right so closing argument miles lucas nyang why do you prefer him to Josh Jones or to Prince Tega? Well, hold on. <laughs> I prefer him based off where his value is. I don't know if I, I would probably like like you guys if, if we're picking them head-to-head in terms of at the same position. So let's say the Vikings are at pick 25. All three guys are on the board. I'm probably taking Josh Jones. But if I can get Nyang at pick 89 in the third round or move up a little, a few spots, you know, move up 10 to 15 spots to go get him in the early third or late second, to me that might hold a better value because of his development opportunity to start in at guard, develop into that left tackle of the future, while also having an impact this year that allows you to gain, to get guys in the first, second, the first and maybe even the second round that have a, a play positions of higher value. So that, you know, and I do, offensive tackle is a high value. I'm not saying that's not true. Um, but what he could do this year and then in the future and slide out to tackle, but go get that, like Ryan said earlier, the wide receiver, the cornerback, you know, getting those positions and making sure you shore up those important positions. If the Vikings can do that and still get a player of Nyang's capabilities and, you know, and ability on day two, I think that's, that's just going to go a long way. Cause I think his ability, Nyang's ability to play uh tackle down the road might hold and the offensive and the wide receiver and the cornerback you get in the first two picks might hold a higher value than the Josh Jones and then whatever receiver cornerback cornerback you get later on in the draft. So I look at it more of like a value situation than than a like an overall like thinking one guy's better than the other. It's a very good point. Ryan, tell us about Prince Tega. Final final comments. 
Well, yeah, uh, like I've mentioned, I, I actually have all three of these guys very similar, similarly graded. I think Josh Jones is getting just much more exposure because of the fact that he was available for the Senior Bowl. He did participate in the Combine versus the other two. But what I see on film is all very comparable prospects. So again, going back to, to Miles's point, when you have a player who again is very comparable but one you have to spend the 22nd overall pick on and one you can get at 58 or 87 or somewhere in between i i i would say okay let, let's go and get one of those guys later who maybe has a couple more question marks potentially uh not necessarily on film but uh, in medicals and and then you can go and and draft a very high important uh, position Again, cornerback is very important for us right now. So go get Christian Fulton. Go get uh, Noah. I don't know how to say his last name. You know, who, whoever it might be. I, I want those guys in the first. And give me Prince Tega um, again because I, I take Prince over Niang because of the fact that he has played left tackle. He has gone against tougher competition. He does fit our scheme a little bit better. Uh, he is just a little bit more raw than Niang is. So uh, give me one of those guys, and um, specifically uh, Prince Tega, and uh, let, let's roll. Understood. With all the questions we have on the team right now, and just all the questions year in, year out, we have on the offensive line, I'm sick and tired of these questions. And I understand the draft is always a risk. There is always a chance these players are not going to pan out how you expect them to. But offensive line, especially offensive tackle, is a position where it's time to start decreasing those questions, start providing answers instead of questions. You mentioned, Ryan, that Josh Jones was at the Senior Bowl. He wasn't just available at the Senior Bowl. Word on the street is that Rick Spielman was glued on this guy during the practices and an event where Jones won practice player of the week, a workout warrior for the Minnesota Vikings. He's an athlete's first, also a former basketball star with those light feet, and he allowed just four pressures during the 2019 season with the Cougars. Yeah, he's lacking that brute force. We've become accustomed to that for Minnesota Vikings prospects because they're going with that zone scheme. All three of these guys are those fits, but who's going to give you that most upside? And are you willing to lock down such an important position early rather than take a chance here? I think that's a great summary of not just Josh Jones, but Prince Tega, Wanago, and Lucas Nyang, three great prospects. I'm not sure if there is a winner in that debate, but hopefully y'all will take just that information about these three guys and be able to contrast and compare yourself. Matt, do you have any other questions or comments for us? No, man. I, now I want all three of those guys. So Make it happen. Oh, hell yeah. We, we could move Riley that Reef all the way over. Yeah, to, that would solidify the old line. To right? Back up right guard. Be great. Cleveland. <laughs> Flip's, Flip's already like, hey, we could we could trade uh, Riley Reef in that case. <laughs> I'm just saying, fix some of those cornerback and wide receiver needs. But <laughs> but I hope y'all enjoyed a breakdown of some offensive line prospects coming up for the April 23rd NFL Draft. We'll be back next week to do the same kind of breakdown, same kind of conversation about the defensive backfield and some wide receivers. So keep on plugging, y'all. I know a lot of us are stuck at home, but stay safe. Keep on listening. 
and we'll watch this team get better, especially during the NFL draft. Until next time, Skull Vikings.